1: I can't believe how this all caved in on me, I thought we had this thing sorted out just last week, you know my job just laid me off yesterday, to be blindsided with all this news today. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 the Horn. It is a five one two Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie, and this sounds like a funky jam. I like this one. Who's this?
0: This is Tomar and the FCS. I like that. Uh, they're playing tonight at Hole in the Wall doing a special show over there. Tomar, a fan of the show. Awesome, dude. I got me him. I got me his brother. You probably. I got to send you his brother's discography. Uh, Sally Williams. Uh, works as a producer on a bunch of H-town hip hop tracks. Really? Yes. I'll, oh, I'll send you over some of his discography. And please do. I, was, I got to meet him the other night uh, a month or so ago. Tomar's over. Hey man, this is the guy who plays me on the horn. That <laughs> is crazy. Oh man, that shout out there.
1: He listens to the to the show. That's yeah. Uh, that's extra love. is the Tomar
0: is the man. Man, that's cool. He's got a voice.
1: Oh man, it, it sounds great. I mean, it really does. I like this this jam right here. What's the name of this one? Uh, fine time. Fine time. Okay, uh, I like that. All right, and uh, uh,
0: yeah. If you miss anything, by the way, any listeners, uh, they're all posted on hornfm.com in the blog post. Uh, we post all of the. Uh, the show, all the songs we played today, with where they're going to be at.
1: Apparently, Chan knows Tomar. I he's, mean, he's a, he's a popular actor. He's here very excited. He's very excited when he threw it out there. <laughs> also, texted throughout uh, that I should have given props to Chris Plonsky when I was congratulating those who are uh, so many responsible uh, for the success of the uh, the athletic department, specifically the ladies over there, because talking about the volleyball team being uh, playing in the championship match. Uh, yes, Chris Plonsky. Yeah. Uh, to help transform uh, the athletic department over there. And I know Chris Polanski, she is fantastic and has been great for Texas uh, sports. So do not mean uh, not to give her 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 props for sure. Okay, um, let's get to speaking of Texas football. Let's go behind the burners of Texas sports. Let's talk some Texas football and go behind the burners curtain and talk about this 2023 recruiting class because they got a doozy of a commitment yesterday from the best linebacker or highest rated linebacker, I should say, in the country, Anthony Hill from Denton Ryan. Um he's 6'2, 225. And I mean they got him listed as an inside linebacker, but truth is he can play any position at the, in a linebacking core that you want. Even he can translate to an edge rusher if you want to, you know, play him on the edge. What I like about his game is it it's violent. So when he when he uh, you know when he's when he comes into you know contact with another player whether he is taking on a block or whether he's delivering a blow man it is violent <laughs> I love that about him um, he, he, he 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 obviously can cover well in space he's a you know a great athlete sideline to sideline he's got that kind of speed uh, speed to power transitions really well for him too uh, in the running game but he's a downhill linebacker in my opinion um, that can you know go gap to gap for you and really make some plays, reading plays, gets caught up in traffic sometimes, but that's just because he's a young linebacker, Uh, but he's got every possible raw tool, raw material that you could want in a linebacker. You know, most linebackers these days, you know, even some at the NFL level now, a lot of them uh, were projects early on in their career these days. Take the Big 12, for example. I brought this up earlier. Big 12, for example, this year's uh, first team linebackers for Texas, Jalen Ford, you know, it took him a year or two to learn, you know, the to acclimate to the physicality at this level. You had DeMarvin Overshone, safety, you spent down to, uh, you know, linebacker. It took him a couple of years to learn how to take on blocks and use leverage, uh, play with the proper technique and a proper base, uh, pad level, all those things, and, you know, Those guys were first-team our Big 12 linebackers this year. You go look at last year's Malcolm Rodriguez, a great example at Oklahoma State, was the best linebacker in the conference, uh, was a guy that came in as a uh, safety, who was a quarterback in high school and a wrestler, and then they moved him to a linebacker, a project, a developmental project. And I think the reason you see many of those developmental projects at the college level, at the linebacker position specifically, is because the proliferation of the spread offense, you know, they don't. You no, know, they don't make those linebackers anymore at the high. Well, I should say they, they aren't necessarily uh, a priority at the high school level because they're defending spread offenses. That's their top priority. So you don't get a, a linebacker who is a five tool linebacker that knows how to play the run game, um, that can take on blocks, that operates well in space. You don't get all the things. You got to teach someone and cultivate that skill set. Uh, you want to do that with him, Anthony Hill? He's got all that. You're good. He's he's ready to go. Yeah, you got to teach him fundamentals. You got to make sure that he plays within the scheme. Um, but in terms of a developmental project, no. Nah. Six two two twenty five. Got the speed to play, physicality and a strength uh, play strength level to play uh, already as a true freshman for Texas, and I expect that he will. You're losing Demarvin Marvin Overshawn, losing uh, Tuck, you're losing Jet Bush. Uh, you're bringing back Jalen Ford, I believe, hadn't heard anything, although uh, so I wouldn't hope that's the case, who's one of the best linebackers in the country. Uh, so Anthony Hill, plug and play. And by the way, he is one of the four linebackers in this 2023 class, so they prioritize that position specifically, too. Uh, you have Darian Gallette, Samajé Burrell, and Leon, Leona LaFouille. Hope I got that name correctly. Cause I know he's a damn good player. Uh, but man, this kid is phenomenal. He runs a four by one hundred. They qualified for state. I think about a 6'2", 225 linebacker running a four by one hundred. That's freaky, man. It's crazy. Uh, so he's one of those guys. And what I love about you know PK and Jeff Choate uh, bringing in these really top high level linebackers, Remember the, the highest rated defensive player uh, that if if he ends up signing, which he will, he will be the highest rated defensive player Texas has brought in that recruiting class since Malik Jefferson. And speaking of League Jefferson, you know, that before 2022 for this past season, that was the last season Texas had, you know, a top 35 scoring defense considered, a, you know, one of the better defenses in the country. And what they have in common is they stay – I always talk about the central nervous system. To me, the central nervous system of defense is interior D-line, the guts of your D-line, your off-ball linebackers, and then your safeties, your central nervous system, right? Right up the spine of your defense. And that's also the communication center of your defense. All your checks are made. All your audibles are made there. Those guys are controlling all the traffic. Uh, they're moving the defensive lineman around. Uh, they're the ones that are uh, communicating to the corners about what the coverage is going to be. A lot of communication there. So you need guys with high football IQ and really good instincts there. Uh, And this is what you're asking for your linebackers. And I've said it before, too. I believe you're looking at, you know, just the skill set and the traits that it takes to be a a, a successful high-level linebacker in the modern game of football at the college and the pro level. I believe that skill set is probably more wide-ranging and more diverse than the skill set of any other position, um, that plays at a really high level. That has a ton of high upside. You just they're so burdened with so much. They have to do so much. They have to. Be able to play on the line of scrimmage and take on offensive linemen to block. They got to know how to blitz. They got to know how to just rush the passer, even if it's not a blitz. Got to know how to drop back in coverage in zone. Also got to learn how to play man. All right, they're going to be covering running backs, covering tight ends, covering wide receivers. I was a DB, I was never covering running backs. You know, I never had to worry about, I blitzed every now and then to worry about taking on offensive linemen unless they pulled out on the perimeter on a sweep or on a flare screen or something like that. Um, Linebackers do that on every play. Every play. And so you got to have guys that are just well-adapted, great instincts, and guys who have really high football IQ. And when Texas had a really good defense, top 35 scoring defense, they've had great linebacker play to stabilize the central nervous system. Go look at last season, or this past season, you had Jalen Ford, DeMarvin O'Shaughn, first-team all-conference linebackers for Texas. 2017, Gary Johnson, Malik Jefferson, arguably two of the fastest guys on your defense, faster than any of your DBs and safeties. That's how elite that group was. Uh, And then you ended up with all-conference linebacker with Malik Jefferson that year, too. Uh, 2014, it was Jordan Hicks and Steve Edmond. And in 2011, Manny Diaz defense, you had Manny Acho and you had Keenan Robinson. Now, to, to... to further stabilize the central nervous system, also in 2011, you had Blake Gideon starting more games than any other player in Texas football history. At safety, you had Keiston Randall at that D tackle. That was a really good central nervous system. Same thing in 2014. You had Malcolm Brown on the D-line, first-round pick for Texas on the defense, and you had uh, Quandre Diggs and Mikkel Thompson Um The was at the nickel. They moved Mikhail Thompson in the corner, though. You actually had Dylan Haynes, I think, back there. I I don't want to get the comments about white safety. Please don't send them on the spec text line. Dylan Haynes, still one of the interception leaders on the 40 acres, but I digress. I know how y'all feel about white safeties. But getting back to the point, 2017, you had Puna Ford on the D-line, defensive lineman of the year, and you had Deshaun Elliott, a Thorpe Award finalist at the safety position. Further stabilizing that central nervous system. I think it's key to having a really good defense. That's how I would build my defense. And I think Texas, maybe not thinking about that particular theory, but they're building their defense almost from the inside out, which I don't mind. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with building it from the outside in. Legion of Boom was built from the outside in. Nothing wrong with that. You can matter of fact, these days going up against spread offenses, more and more teams are building their defense from the outside in. Shano, 49ers, he builds inside out. Right, Always drafting D-linemen, drafting D-linemen, drafting those two linebackers. They build inside out. I think the best way is to build it inside out. It gives your defense more structural integrity, in my opinion. But I digress. Getting back to uh, Texas here in this recruiting class, though, I do think – now, they're at a number three recruiting class. I do think that's probably as high as they could rise. I know they got a tight end that they signed out of Matter Day, um, out of California. And I think they can bring in maybe one or two more recruits in that 2023 class. But a top three recruiting class with the number one quarterback in Arch Manning, number two, oh, sorry, the number one running back in Cedric Baxter, and the number one linebacker in Anthony Hill. I would say you're doing pretty damn good. <laughs> I would say... Now, that's a nice little haul for you in the 2023 class. Uh, okay, other Texas uh, topics. Just real quick, I did see that Mel Kuyper is uh, ranking Bijan Robinson and Rojo. He's got both of them ranked in his top 10 positional rankings uh, for the draft eligible players. So essentially, they got two. Texas has two top 10 running backs based on uh, his draft. We know Todd McShay says that he believes that Bijan's going to be a top five pick to the Eagles, actually, is where he had a mock to. It just made me think about it once again, how special those two guys are. Your best player in Bijan, your best leader in Rojo. And to me, the biggest h- headline, I guess I should say, or maybe the biggest question mark in the bowl game, what's your identity offensively? What's it gonna be? Because your identity was pretty simple this season, even though at times, you know, Sark or Steven um would, would fail to, uh, you know, recognize the identity should have been Bijan and Rojo the entire time. It was late in the season. Um, uh, the it's got to either shift to the O line, which is where you got a ton of your talent, uh, or it's supposed to shift naturally to Quinn. I'm not sure Quinn's ready to be the identity of it, and I don't know if I want to put that on him just yet. I like the user-friendly offense that Sark implemented for him later on. Oh, sorry, later on in the season. Yeah, wait down, you know, the last with three, four games of the season where he stripped away a lot of the vertical deep passing concepts um, and and turned it into a really high percentage rhythm-based offense for him and simplified the reads. And I thought he was great when he did that. I think that's what you need to do going forward. I would, you know, i try to make it. I'd build this around the offensive lines. I think with that group being all the talent you brought in, you're going to be able to win a ton of one-on-ones with that group and uh, open up big hope. So maybe you don't have the erasing aspect where a guy like, you know, B. John Robinson leads the, the country in broken tackles and yards after contact. So he would erase a lot of mistakes offensive players made, whether it be penalties or missing a block or whatever, turn a four-year loss into a five-year gain. He was just that good. You may not have that aspect, but maybe – Patrick, you don't have as many negative plays to have to work through. Maybe yeah. they don't even get into the backfield as much as they did when no, because, this, because your offensive line is a lot more stable.
0: This is a, a young offensive line that is that gets to have a break of a month, which is huge for these guys to just mm-hmm. kind of feel a little bit better, get a little bit healthier, and, and just refocus on you know some of the footwork stuff that you maybe lose during the season. So I expect this O-line to play really well. And then you also you, – you still, as, as all reports, you still have Jay Wood out there. You do. And Jay Wood is a guy that you can look at that later in the season you are starting to realize you can use him in a couple more ways of not necessarily in the run game but close to a run game and screen game and stuff like that where you're able to get him, and he is a guy – that even if he gets hit, can break it and move out and be shifty and get some extra yards for you.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I like that to it. I wouldn't use him in a traditional run game because I'm just afraid that he's a little fragilely. But I love him and his physicality and how it translates to the perimeter, which is a little short dump off passes stuff yeah. like he's brought up, little flares and screens, smoke routes, things of that nature. He's really good at breaking tackles. I think he turns into a running back uh, when he gets. And the ball I think in it's
0: hands. I think he's great in the fact that you can use him in X man in a screen game where because he's such a good blocker, they don't know. Like when you can have a guy that could be a blocker or the the receiver, it just makes the defensive assignments that much harder because you're not sure, hey, man, are they throwing to X-Man and he's blocking me? Or is he getting it and X-Man's a decoy and now I got to go over and I'm trying to tackle him instead of trying to get out of his path because he's going to try and block me. I I need to decide very quickly, am I running straight at him or am I trying to run around him?
1: That's a great point because – they, if you'll notice, late in the year, they they think so much of Jay Witt's blocking ability. They would use, you know, what they call reduced splits or minus splits, him closer to line of scrimmage, just to get him closer to blocking. They want him to go block yeah. a second level defender because he was just really good at it. Um, and and Sark used that more and more. He did kind of a a, a condensed set, bunt set, but it was all about putting Jay Witt closer to the second level defender because they wanted him to block, not just on the perimeter. He was great there, but they thought he was such a good blocker. They didn't have him blocking, you know, linebackers and safeties on the second level. For, yeah. so and I mean, and that.
0: how many times do you have to get hit by Jay Witt before when they when he is the screener and oh. he's getting the ball, you're necessarily you're not necessarily you're just like, man, let me stand back a couple more feet. You know, just so mm-hmm. that don't hurt so bad. No, I'm mean,
1: yeah, cause Jay Witt's physical, man. Yeah. yeah, he does. He brings he brings the the hammer. Uh, okay, so uh, and also I, I want to see how We'll get it. You know what? I'll get into that Monday. Uh, if I get into it now, then I'll go down a rabbit hole. Let's talk Cowboys. We got plenty of Texas, uh, Washington, Alamo boat discussion. That's more what that's about. So we'll get into that. I promise you. As uh, the 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 month goes on and we get closer to that date, uh, let's talk about the Cowboys and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's get into this matchup a little bit. I, I think I'm confident that the Cowboys will be able to get to Trevor Lawrence. Um, that, to me, is going to be the biggest factor in the game. If they can get to him, they can rattle him a little bit. Last five games, though, you're talking about one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Two, and this is the key to really his, his quick processing because that's what's really improved. When I watch him uh, since week nine, is he's processing so much quicker, which is why he's getting rid of the ball so much quicker. His average time to throw in the last five games is, is uh, 2.4 seconds, which is the third fastest in the NFL. And that's why he's got a 111.7 passer rating in that time span. That's why he's got uh, 11 touchdowns, a 71.8% completion percentage in that time span because he in 7.5 yards per attempt uh, in that time span It's because his processing has uh, been cleaned up. A lot of it, give Doug Peterson credit, he's running that RPO-based offense that he was running there in Philadelphia ton of run-pass options, and you can tell Trevor Lawrence is coming more and more comfortable running those, uh, those concepts. A lot of play-action pass. They're, they're top 10 in the NFL in RPO rate and in play-action pass rate. Actually, they're I guess they're 11 technically in RPO rate, but they're right there huffing around the top 10. Play-action pass and RPO rate cheat codes to, to clean up the looks and simplify and speed up the processing for your quarterback. And that's what the Cowboys have got to deal with. Because um, he's been, he said, he's been really, really good at getting the ball out quickly, and that negates a really good pass rush. What you need is Trevor wants to hold on to the ball split second longer. And the way you do that is by making sure that corner opposite Trevor on Diggs is going to hold up in coverage, because I guarantee you they are coming after whoever that is. Nation Wright, Kelvin Joseph. Yep, we'll call him Kelvin until he starts playing better, and then we'll call him Boss Man Fats. But until now, playing like a Kelvin, we're going to call you Kelvin. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander. Uh, or the new kid they brought in, Trayvon Mullen, but they know they got a problem at that other corner. And if the if the Houston Texans can expose the corner opposite of Trevon Diggs with Chris Moore having a career day, Trevor Lawrence. And the Jaguars can do it, too. With Christian Kirk and was it Evan Ingram, is there other uh, receiver?
0: Evan Ingram went off the tight end, yeah, went off. He had a great game last yeah, week. Like
1: top receiving three. Those are the two guys you got to stop, but I guarantee they'll be trying to get Christian Kirk matched up on that other corner as much as possible. I don't know if Trevon Diggs will shadow Christian Kirk and follow him around. That's an option, and the Cowboys may want, and maybe, maybe that's what they do. You get, you give away your coverage a lot of the times when you have a player's shadow. It's hard to play man coverage with one specific matchup and then play zone around it. Teams have done it, but it's tough to do um, because you kind of violate the rules of the defense. You're asking for special rules. That's what matchups are about, though, and maybe the Cowboys will go with some of that and decide, no, we don't ever want Christian Kirk matched up on the corner opposite Trevon Diggs. Or put Trevon Diggs by himself zero help on whoever the receiver is opposite – of Christian Kirk and always double Kirk. That, that's what I'm saying is I, well, I think Kirk. you need because Trayvon need to, Diggs don't need help with I think some you other just guy. need to
0: put Trayvon Diggs even if it's Christian Kirk you just put him on an island be like look throw it to him. I trust yeah. Trayvon Diggs against gonna any of one because Zeddy Jones can go out there and, and blow past you. Yeah he can. And so if we're going hey man we got Christian Kirk over here and we're doubling over and and Kelvin Joseph's one on one with Zay Jones. That's fair. That's an easy touchdown. A lot of times, if yeah. you know he gets a double move
1: on him or something. That's true. I wonder what the Cowboys—they obviously bringing in reinforcements and contingency plans—but um, I do wonder. Um, if they'll have either Trevor and Dick Shadow, Kirk, or um, like have him go one on one, kind of what we're suggesting just go zero coverage, and you can allocate resources and double and help out the other corner with a safety over the top yeah. or by bracketing that guy. You gotta do something because they coming after that guy.
0: Well, and you know they're gonna come after to try and pull your safeties up and mess with your linebackers with Evan Ingram as well at tight end, just to try and find a way to go. All right, we're gonna pull and make give you make you put more help yep. on the tight end and over the middle, and that'll open everything else up, because once we pull your safeties off of both of our wide receivers, because they have to be able to help over the middle and help in the run game,
1: yeah, be trouble.
0: all of a sudden now, you're getting two guys more in single coverage, Yep, and that's where it can get scary. It's going
1: to be a big game for Deron Bland, because a lot of times he's going to end up with that matchup on Evan Ingram uh, covering that tight end, and he's been great as a, as a rookie yeah. nickel for the Cowboys. One quick thing, and this has also been out there uh, Josh Ball and Jason Peters are, were rotating in practice at right tackle. So the Cowboys with Terrence Steele going down, one of their plans, one of the contingency plans uh, was, you know what, we're just going to have Josh Ball and Jason Peters. Remember, Jason Peters goes in the game. It, it was two plays in the fourth quarter, back-to-back plays, where Josh Ball had gotten beat and gotten beat bad. Got beat so bad that um, actually it was um, Ogba, um, Ogbenaya, Okuonkwo. For the Texans beat him twice once forced a fumble and then the second time ended up disrupting the throwing motion for Dak to the point where Dak threw a pick. Cowboys thought it was such an urgent issue. They benched Josh Ball there and Josh Ball in that moment and put Jason Peters in there who hadn't played right tackle had had a snap of right tackle since 2005 and it worked out wonderfully. The first play, Jason Peters goes in there at right tackle, 23 yard completion to Dalton Schultz. Second play, nine yard scramble, and I believe off of that right side. Third play, 13 yard completion to Schultz. Fourth play, six yard completion to Zeke. Fifth play, three yard completion to Lamb. Sixth play, six yard completion. Seventh play, <clears throat> was it Noah Brown, 18 yard completion? Eighth play, Schultz, 18-yard completion, um, and then there came the the run when the Cowboys got on the goal line to Zeke for two yards, and they threw another incompletion. Not another one, the first incompletion of the drive, actually, and then Zeke ran it in uh, for a touchdown. That was your game-winning drive, and the biggest coaching move or adjustments was deciding we're going to roll the dice and put potentially a future Hall of Famer at a position he hadn't played in over 15 years, and we're just going to hope that he can just get the job done for right now, and he did. And it was exactly what the doctor ordered, and Dak was kept clean just long enough to put together his first game-winning drive of the season. And now the Cowboys are looking at Jason Peters and a combination of Josh Ball, maybe situationally rotating there. But now we're seeing that Tyron Smith, that's right, Tyron Smith also getting reps at practice at right tackle.
0: Makes Uh, me happy to hear that. Isn't that great? Because that was the one you were wondering, man, you had that left side of the line playing so well that even moving Tyler Smith to left guard, you go, yeah, that sure is it up. But now you got this big hole on the right side, mm-hmm. and you're messing. You've got an overload on the left, but you can't really ask a Pro Bowl left tackle to go to right tackle for a rookie. But the fact that he's willing to do it, apparently, it's is, is great news because – Hey man, if you can shore up and go, man, look, let's just get through this season.
1: That's what we trying to all do. All season
0: we can figure it out. Yep. But let's get through this season cuz we got a chance to go for it all and we can't have everyone just loading up on one side of the on one side of the line. It's the
1: dance makes it too, too easy to defend. And it's going to be silly yeah.
0: if we got Tyler Smith and Tyron Smith on the left side of the line blocking nobody cuz they're all coming <laughs> like on overloading on the yeah.
1: other. Um no, but you're right. I mean, you got two potential Hall of Fame players in Tyron Smith and in Jason Peters saying, "We'll do whatever it takes." Move me where you hey, need me. Hey, we want me. that ring. We want that ring. Move me where you need me. And, yes, Tyron Smith is getting, and I agree with you, they want to keep him, Connor McGovern and Tyler Smith over there on that left they're side. They're doing well, but they're, they're young,
0: and they're young. You don't necessarily want to overload them this far into the season and go, by the way, relearn the playbook.
1: Yep, no, you're right. And, by the way, remember Tyron Smith started every game at right tackle in, like, 2011. and was named to the all-rookie team. Remember Zach Martin famously filled in at right tackle in 2020 when they were decimated by injuries. So we've seen the Cowboys think outside the box before, but when they asked uh, Mike McCarthy... If he had ever had a rotation at tackle, which is going to happen with this Josh Ball and Jason Peters, because I don't think they're going to necessarily leave Tyron Smith there the entire time either because they want to use all these linemen because they don't want, number one, to have another injury. So they want to limit exposure yeah. there. But they also want to work these guys in to, to manufacture some depth. And, and, and Mike McCarthy said he never has. He said this is new. I just can't say enough about the whole room. Um, it could affect everybody. So, yeah, there you go. The, the Tyron Smith may solve the Cowboys' issues at right tackle um, because you could get a Hall of Fame caliber player playing there, too. Uh, all right, well, we'll come back. We'll get into Texans and Chiefs on the other side, have that conversation, other uh, Week uh, week 15 NFL previews. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104 Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. It is a 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. We play jams that uh, from very talented human beings, uh, people that you can see live right here in the ATX, the live music capital of the world. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick?
0: This is the Capitol, and they're playing Saturday mm-hmm. at Antones. There you
1: go. That makes sense. The Capitol uh, and the live music capital of the world. I like that. Uh, all right, let's get some uh, Texans. Uh, Chiefs preview in there. We ain't got to talk a lot about the Texans and the Chiefs. I get it, okay? <laughs> they're, they're the Texans. Uh, but I want to talk about the Chiefs, real uh, honestly. I want to get into the Chiefs a little bit. We don't get a lot of time to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, going up against the Texans, I think they're a 14 point favorite in this game. Man, Texans are getting some big lines. They're getting some bad. Yeah. They covered last week. They don't. Actually, they've been, they've been competitive in most of these contests. I. It's hard for me to think that the Chiefs are just going to you know, cover that number that big. Um, but, man, it's, I don't think people know how good the Kansas City Chiefs' offense is this year because they don't get as much uh, pub publicity because, I don't know, Tyreek Hill's gone. I don't know why they're not getting as much pub as they have. Maybe we're just tired of the Chiefs right now, and I get that too. Uh, Could it just be fatigue? But if you look at third and long. Third and long plus, all right? So third and long is like seven yards or more to gain for a first down. They are converting over 50% of their third and longs, third and seven plus. They are first in the NFL. Last year, they were at 27.6%. Now in twenty twenty they were at forty percent. So they were ninth in the NFL last year and third in third and long conversions. In twenty twenty, they were first and they were converting forty percent of their third and seven plus yards to gain for a first down. Patrick, in the last twenty years, no one has finished above fifty percent. Matter of fact, the highest conversion rate for third and long in the past twenty years was New Orleans in two thousand eleven at forty five point five percent.
0: Yeah, it it's ridiculous. They're yeah, and it's fishy. ridiculous that they are somewhat under the radar. They are. Uh, it,
1: We're talking about uh, all these other teams,
0: right? Yeah. It I does mean, seem like that. It seems like feel just like, oh, that's the same. You're like, yeah, the same old championship-caliber <laughs> team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's I dominating. Mean, and look, I can tell you, as an ex-Texans fan, there is one franchise that I feel has embarrassed the Texans more than anyone, and it was the Chiefs.
1: Oh, yeah. Because those playoff, playoff losses, playoff games multiple playoff
0: losses, they brutal. just – they were brutal. Yeah, so I, mm. I feel like there's a little PTSD from Texans fans playing the Chiefs. Yeah, I agree with that. And this may be another one of those of uh, they're just a hard team, as you just said. They're a hard team to get off the field.
1: Yeah, and exactly. And right. when
0: you do that, it's just demoralizing. And don't get is behind.
1: Tiring. Yeah, you got to stay in the game with them because once you get behind, they just separate. Yeah,
0: and they're one of the team. Not a great defensive team, but they their offense can control the game enough that. They don't have to be a great defensive team. So, I mean, with the Texans with uh Pierce is now oh, that's out. That's right,
1: Pierce is dealing with the injury. So, He's got a high you, don't, ankle you don't
0: have your one piece that was working is gone. Uh I believe Nico, Nico Harris and Nico Nico Collins, Collins and did, Brandon Cooks are both
1: still out. They both did not practice, though they were limited Thursday. So Yeah, Man, man this team is Ooh. beat up and wasn't that great to start with. They beat with. up and downtrodden a little bit right now. So it seemed like they, they're demoralized. Because they, yes. they were fighting harder early in the season. You remember that. You watched yeah. them. They were fighting hard. They're not fighting as hard anymore.
0: No, and yeah, I think, yeah, you, how many times well, they can you the lose a close game? They
1: fought the Cowboys, but they, games before that downstream. I'm talking about in totality, they haven't been as consistent uh, in terms of um, their – I would I would say them taking care of the football they've been more dysfunctional down the stretch in a lot of ways Yeah
0: and I mean and we saw against the Cowboys they started the Jeff Triscoll the uh, two quarterback system, the two quarterback experiment. System, two yeah. quarterback experiment he's active. Of, hey, he's on the active roster. This you know, thing. you know what they always say is if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Well, Texans said, "Well, we have no quarterbacks, so let's try two quarterbacks."
1: And <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? It almost worked. It worked a little bit. It worked. Hey, they almost like George Casanza. If everything you're doing is wrong, then the opposite <laughs> must be right. So Texans are just going with the opposite. I like that. Um, okay, let me give you uh, degenerate gamblers a couple of numbers about this matchup, and maybe you guys can make some money off of it. Since my Texans are going to get destroyed. Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, he's a 14-point he's a favorite. Do you know uh, his record as a road favorite against the spread when he's a favorite of at least seven-plus points? One in seven against the spread is a road favorite of seven-plus points. Just throwing it out there. Uh, I think the total over-under is uh, 40, 49 and a half. In games where Mahomes um, is favored by eleven and a half points or more, the under is eight and two, and eight times uh, it was under it the un, under fifty, like under fifty points was the under. So eight of those ten uh, instances where he's eight and eight and two, all right, uh, hitting the under when he's favored by eleven and a half points. Uh, 8 of those were under 50 and this total is 49.5 under 50 so Maybe you can make some money with it. I just give you the numbers. You got to make the final call on that one. Um, all right, I want to get into that, that that Miami game a little bit, so we'll do that on the other side. I mean, that's another, probably the only other big game. We care about the Cowboys in Texas. but the biggest game of the NFL weekend is probably going to be, now that we're done with the 49ers and the Seahawks, it's probably going to be that Buffalo-Miami matchup. Yeah, Tennessee
0: Chargers is the only really other yeah, two-possible two-playoff right. game. That's a good one. But it's not a great matchup. It's just... They both could be playoff teams, so it's interesting to watch yeah. it. But now, we can
1: get that one too. Definitely
0: a smaller matchup.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we can get into that one too a little bit. Alright, we'll do that before we wrap it up and put it in the oven. Uh, this is Ball Don't Lie Right here. on 104. Now four now the horns. Pop a
0: top again. You mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash? Huh?
1: Oh yeah. You know, I've been known to drink a beer or two. I think a man working outdoors feels more like a man if you can have a bottle of suds. It's only my opinion
0: sir i got beer i got bottled breast milk Eh, why don't we start with the beer okay it's five o'clock somewhere wait it's already five o'clock here it's time for what's on tap how
1: about a nice cool drink that's really good
0: that's good that's
1: pop a top again all right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie, getting ready to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven uh, before we get out of here. We'll let you know what's on tap and a little mini preview, if, we'll, if you will, of some of the, uh, the upcoming NFL games this weekend. I think the biggest one of those games will be a division showdown between the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. If you missed any part of any of the shows, please go to hornfm.com. You can catch up with them on the podcast page. Also... Go to flexflxatx.com, flxatx on all your social media platforms. If you want to keep uh, up to uh, keep up to have up to date, I should say, uh, up to date uh, scores and they'll have details. They'll probably get you stats as well from my man Snoop and Zach Lucero who are there uh, getting ready for the Vandergrub DeSoto um, state title matchup. So and actually you can follow my man Snoop, too. Um, I believe Snoop's Twitter handle. I'll get it for you, Willie. S n u p e. Is that it? I believe so. And but yeah, he's been posting a lot
0: at Flex ATX as well. Oh yeah, on, so
1: go to Flex ATX uh, on all your social media. I know platforms. he's been posting from there. Yeah, uh, the I do want to throw
0: doing. a game out there for you on uh, uh, the best game Sunday at noon. Go ahead. Lions Jets. Zach Wilson gets the start.
1: It was a good game before I, that. No, but this is, <laughs> I
0: but this is the Lions trying to fight for a playoff spot right now. You're
1: right. So this is a
0: big game for the Lions. If they can keep it rolling, the Jets are trying to stay in the playoffs. The Lions are trying to get into the playoffs. And now you have Zach Wilson, who was playing so bad, he got benched getting another opportunity because Mike White didn't get cleared.
1: Yeah. the so right. best game of the noon slate. Did you hear that Mike White said he went to ten different doctors trying to get a doctor to claim? <laughs> Uh But yeah, no, he's a no go. That hit was nasty though. To the sternum. What's the actual injury? Did you ever tell you what the actual injury was? I don't know. He was just like, man, you got hit too hard. Sorry, <laughs> you out. <laughs> hey man, that I'm still hurting from that hit. Yeah, and I wasn't even in there. It was. You remember when Bijan had that? Uh, that it wasn't even an injury. He had the, that oh, play that, where he was bent over the backwards. scorpion pose. Yes, <laughs> where like his neck <laughs> was broken. I can say yeah, well, that now. the back of his heels
0: were like touching his, he- it his head. It so, was. Yeah. I
1: have a picture of that, and I don't even look at it, but. It It looked bad. It looked bad. And he just hopped up and jogged to the sideline, and they didn't play him in the next game. It was like, no, no, you just – you don't need to play, and you ain't got listen, an injury. But listen you don't here, need to Gumby. Play. Tone yeah, exactly. it down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I'm with you. Do the, the, the Detroit Lions. I'm on. A, on a, I'm probably only one of the people that watch the Detroit Lions here. But the Detroit Lions uh, playing some really good offensive football. Jerry Goff is playing the best football of his career offensively, uh, and they got a Monterey Brown hat, his father on the show actually uh, yesterday, and he's playing at a Pro Bowl type level. And too. he's
0: about to go up against one of the best young DBs in the game, Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner. Dude, he's I make- mean, there's a
1: there's a good a bunch of good yeah, storylines. Right
0: of good young players fighting for a playoff spot of, if you look at the other slate of noon games, there's not a lot out there. So if you're watching a game at noon, that's the game to watch at noon.
1: I'm with you. Uh, good. And I think it might be the last chance for Zach Wilson. I think it oh, might be, yeah. you know what I mean, like the last shot where they actually... You know, may may think about you as a franchise quarterback. Hey, like you it's don't have to be great,
0: but you need to be. You can't not, be bad. You, hey, we need to be able to date your passer rating. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> there you go.
1: Your passer rating should be legally dateable There you go. Uh, I would thank my man Patrick. Did a great job today, as always, brother. We appreciate your efforts. I want to thank all you guys out there for listening. We all appreciate you being a part of the show. You're the most important part of the show. The revolution will not be televised. We talk about it right here on Ball Don't Lie. Uh, we love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves, but more importantly, take care of each other. Have a great weekend. Peace.